Hello from Florida. Hello from Florida as well, but a different place in Florida. Yes, we are doing the podcast separately today, but strangely close to each other. Yeah, but... it, you, the chances are very rare. I mean, like we last yeah. time, the, the the other shows we've done, we podcasted together from your in flat Scotland, in Glasgow, Scotland. Yes, and it just it just so happens to be that we're both going away for the winter. Now you going to Florida makes sense because your parents live there. Yeah, that just happened to be in florida so um, <laughs> for no reason at all for no reason at all oh, it's nice north. this time of year you yeah i mean that is one of the reasons to be fair it's not for no reason i do have a friend's christmas party i'm staying with some friends in a farm in between Ooh. secret location secret location it's been amazing man secret it was just like farm hanging location hanging out in in the sun taking my work calls playing with the dog <laughs> and then uh, in this and, and just like Taking your work calls with a dog is the best thing you can do. I know, I know. It it makes work calls fun. Sending little videos to my friends back home in Scotland who are like, oh my God, it's so freezing here. I'm like, haha. But yeah, it oh, just I have bragged so much. It's incredible. And you're going to brag a whole lot more because that's the nature of having a podcast. <laughs> so, um, Welcome to yeah, Go Light like Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. The one number one podcast dedicating to us bragging despite our mediocre careers. <laughs> so that way you can go right yourself. Yourself. <laughs> I love it. So awesome. yeah, it just, just so happens to be that we're both in Florida and we're actually hopefully going to meet in person on Sunday. So yes, that'll be that very be cool. Fun. And then uh, even though you're in Jacksonville up in north and I'm in Orlando somewhere in the middle. It's yeah. not too far. And then uh, I'm off to Mexico. So we'll continue the show remotely. One advantage of it is our audio should be a lot better. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, we both have separate channels and separate microphones now. And uh, we might be able to uh, finally do uh, do the uh, writer or, or the digital nomad uh, part two. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Part which would be very fun. Yeah. I'm going to take some time to re-listen to the first episode and see if there's anything in this. Yeah. So, you've got a topic for today. That's right. Topic. Yes, yes, I am excited, or was excited, because um, I want to think about uh, journalism, and uh, uh, specifically, like, journalistic writing and journalistic integrity, and uh, because I don't have any integrity... Uh, I was just thinking journalistic integrity isn't that like one of these uh, classic cliches uh, sorry classic, oh. uh, oxymorons like people go like military intelligence ah, ha, 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 ha. I almost laughed but <laughs> might not right right uh, but no I'm, I'm curious about it and uh, I wanted to have a discussion about it simply because uh, I might uh, kind of be uh, shifting my career to a more kind of journalistic perspective uh, in more, the near more, more respectable than the clickbait articles that you've written. Oh, don't get me wrong. It's still like dumbed down, you know, easily digestible news for, you know, the broad uh, demographic of consumer, but it's not like uh, the subject matter is a little bit more I don't want to say amiable, but like uh, a little bit more respectable. 
Okay. And so more serious, perhaps. More serious. That's a, that's a good word for it because because I, I think entertainment journalism is still journalism naturally, mm-hmm. and you know you can you can still write about um, things that are are ethical and uh, and impressive, uh, but like you know entertainment entertainment journalism isn't isn't exactly the most dangerous uh you know risky form of writing out there nobody's ever kind of you know been physically threatened because they're reporting on what uh ryan reynolds is doing you know you say that dc is inferior to marvel your days are numbered how dare you yes yeah that uh, that might get you threatened yeah if you, if you talk shit about Zack snyder those people will come after you um but i think uh it, it's a fun it's a fun kind of low risk uh kind of way to start out uh, my professional career anyway uh, and it was nice and like it was nice and safe and i really liked that about it uh, and I noticed um, you didn't have to have any opinions that might piss off the wrong people. It's very true. You know, nobody's going to come after you saying that, like, oh well, okay. Now that's not entirely true. I didn't do uh, opinion writing necessarily, but if I posted, uh, if if I posted a fact that you know someone didn't like, uh, you know about like how. Justin Roiland uh, didn't really show up for work a lot at Rick and Morty or whatever, you know, the comments I got uh, on that article were insane. Like, the people rushing to defend that man uh, was nuts. You know, I couldn't believe it. Did it hurt your feelings? Did it hurt your feelings? Did it make you feel under white minds? Did it make you feel less reluctant? Do you know what? I know a leftist writer who released a a book critiquing society, but he also talked about personal responsibility in it. And he got roundly lampooned for the left for for having any semblance of uh, it's up to us to pull our socks up and make something of our lives as well as change society to make it more fair. And I feel like he shied away rather than double down and go, well, when you talk, when you remove, when you don't tell people they have personal responsibility, you're basically saying they're completely fucking hopeless because uh, there's nothing they can do, uh, which I think is evil. Um, oh. He shied away from saying stuff like that ever again. And I think that was not. Uh, no, uh, that's that's cowardly. That's pretty. Uh, but but the thing is, when you come from that kind of background, and then you then the stakes suddenly become high because it's like, oh, now you're earning some money, you know, and That's you're true. like, you people listen better, to you. you, and people listen to you, and you've got a better life, and it's like, oh shit, if I shy away, if if I don't take care, so this is, I guess, this is a pretty yeah. good segue into journalism and the ethics of it and stuff like that, because this That's is true, something that you're gonna have to think about. Yeah, you take, you, you take that risk. You take that personal responsibility. Yeah. Or, you know, or, or you end up, you know, just like the people that you're uh, yeah. kind of, you know, speaking out against. You, I mean, yeah. that, like... you, you, you end up shying away from opinions. And definitely for me, when I first started getting onto YouTube, I tried to present the positions as um, even handed as possible. Uh, sorry, not even handed because I was partisan, 
but in yeah. a way that assumed that people who didn't disagree with me, who disagreed with me, were watching in good faith and capable yeah. of being talked around. So I tried to present the ar arguments in as charitable a way as possible and maybe skim away from controversial edges. But as things went on and I realized sometimes it doesn't matter how nice you say things, people are still going to make accusations of you and take you in bad faith and blah, blah, blah. So it became more and more brave when it came to saying the, the more controversial things. And yeah, uh, they're, they're, they're both, both, there's a value to both, but I think, you know, you, you, if you want to, if you want to be able to say what you think in your writing, yeah. you should probably. Well, they're, they're two the, sides of the same the coin, aren't they? Yeah, take yeah. the risk because you're going because you can't think about alienating your audience because they're not going to be your audience. Uh, I, I like in the Ayn Rand book, The Fountainhead. There's a character who's a media mogul, but he thinks he's powerful. But he's only a media mogul because he says whatever shallow stuff he thinks the public wants to hear. He uh, finds out later that when he decides to tell the truth. Uh, sales of many of his outlets go down and disappear. So he wasn't as powerful as he thought he was. Now, well, if you go very out there, relevant. Yeah, if you go out there and you earn your audience by telling the truth and um, as you see it, then you can keep that audience and they come to you as a source of advice, as a source of who should I read, who should I listen to? Oh, you're talking about that person. Well, that must mean that that person is good. Yeah. Like, and I, I that that kind of works in a way that like the the modern um you know how people digest media uh, in yeah. today's society well, because it will so work much. out that way there's yeah. so much that we but, need but the algorithm will bring it to you like right. you will be in an echo chamber of what you want to hear you know right. like the and, the opposite and, opinion is something that you really have to seek out right and i i just want to say like i hope that when people listen to this show and as more and more people listen to this show when we recommend media they'll go oh i should check that out because i don't recommend crap like i gave my girlfriend a bunch of uh, like a list of movies to watch and, and i feel like i wish that i knew someone so credible that when they gave me a list of movies i knew they'd be top notch you know yeah and you i don't think you've you've i you haven't recommended anything that's like that's been bad or what i would think of as low quality i think don't worry there's time you're, well you know i think i think you're genuinely a good a good person to go to for stuff like that um it's not like we've recommended you know terribly risky things either you know, i think we're, yeah People have opinions uh, about Ayn Rand, but uh, yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. And, but, and I don't mind that. I don't mind that. The thing, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing a whole show on the pros and cons of Ayn Rand as a writer as well. I think as we as probably should. Writer. Yeah, yeah. We, we definitely will one day. Yes. Um, underrated in many ways, and sometimes in some ways overrated by her, in some ways by her enthusiastic diehard fans. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, Zack Snyder yeah. is doing. Uh, uh, an adaptation of the fountainhead oh is he well yes. I, I mean it can't, i i i can't watch the movie because the book is so rich and the movie yeah. is like whatever 90 minutes long and they're trying to fit this entire yeah. tome into 80 90 minutes it's like guys why don't you just make a mini series it's never going to work as yeah. you know but, but like so, it's it's like that one i think it's i think it's hilarious because you have this one guy with 
uh, you know, an insane, you know, flammable uh, or inflammatory fan base, like a, like a very hardcore cult fan base. And you have Ayn Rand with her uh, inflammatory cult fan base. Yeah, and, she's very inflammatory. Yes, and you're just smashing those two people together. Uh, like, what the hell? What the hell is going to happen when that when that when those two people come together? Like, wow. She is definitely an example of someone who just said what she thought, no matter how unpopular it was. And yes. um, when, whenever you watch her, whenever I watch her interviews on YouTube, I whenever someone asks her a question, I always think I've got my own take on how I would respond to that question as someone who shares a lot of her political opinions. Yeah. But then she always has a completely different take, which I never would have seen coming. And, uh, and that's really impressive. Like that, I never would have heard from anyone else. Maybe it's partly down to her being a Russian, but I mean, her command of the English language, especially for a non-English native speaker, is absolutely incredible. And I, I guess like, like you wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of her wrath. I mean, I remember no, someone asked, you know, what, what do you what do you think of this show on the on this channel? And she's like, who's I think, yeah, it was a show by Milton Friedman, who you'd think she would have had sympathy for because they're both in favor of capitalism. And she said, uh, I've seen better shows on that channel, namely The Circus. <laughs> oh, my God. You know? Yeah, that's you know, the, I mean, that's the these, terrible thing about her. Yeah, she had these searing criticisms of people. Uh, terrible uh, and like, yeah, and somehow. Well, witty. terrible as in, as in frightening, you know. Definitely. Yes, but I think I think that's very important, I, and I think that's a that's an uh, an admirable quality in in her uh, and of of journalists in in general and of people who are trying to distribute you know and search for truth, uh, just like uh, from a philosophical standpoint, you know whether they're a journalist or not. I think I think it's very like your point of like saying. Uh, speaking what you believe is the truth or not well believe and then providing evidence for uh the the, the truth uh regardless of whether or not it's going to appeal to a fan base uh is a very important thing and i think you know having the balls to do that and uh, maintaining uh, or showing that you're strong enough to defend your own position uh, is a very important part of uh, of of being a good journalist and of being a journalist worth listening to. I think, I think that probably is the thing that's, you know, defines the, 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 you know, a writer in general is whether or not they can defend their position and, uh, you know, kind of when it comes down to not necessarily changing someone's mind, but, uh being able to to show that there is stable ground to stand on for where they're standing like in a in a world with so many different uh you know opinions and uh, and in in a world where uh, it's so easy to kind of undercut uh what other people are saying and what uh, kind of what kind of uh you know facts you kind of bring bring to bear against it you know the fact that like flat earthers exist is is you know an incredible phenomenon um but like that uh 
the the importance of of truth in reporting and the importance of kind of you know defeating you know radicalism uh, is is a job for you know a writer that is very capable in speaking to an average person and in kind of making making contact with like a common sense uh it was someone who might not be as educated in a very uh kind of like friendly uh amicable way in a way that like relates to them i think otherwise uh you know these like uh, like uh, philosophies like fascism and um you know e extremism whether it be you know, on either side of the political spectrum are so willing to uh, pull you in uh, by just just creating enemies out of everything that you end up getting these these, you know, terribly like easily manipulated groups of people that kind of latch on to uh, to ideas that they, you know, that they pick up like fast food and then just keep eating it and eating it and eating it because you know they've decided they like the flavor and before you know it you know they're fat and they 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 don't want to switch back to the salad because it's hard and and finding that truth in in anything is hard and if you if you want to if you want to feed someone you know burgers and fries like that's uh, you know, I mean, that's bad, uh, and you can't be doing it all the time. Uh, but like, if you're doing that, especially for your own personal gain, and because if you think that like the only thing that matters is getting more people to listen to you, that's a that's a horrible ethic. That's a that's a horrible way to to you know use your voice in public because because people do listen to you. You know, regardless of what level you're speaking on i mean regardless of what kind of uh you know how much power you have in the world i think making making a an idea more appealing just to become popular especially when that idea is dangerous uh, is probably one of the worst things that you can do because you do have personal responsibility and it is like one of the most important things that you can bring with you and being a you know into journalism and, and being a journalist is, is dangerous in that sort of way and it's I, I imagine it's not always rewarding I mean like we you know this this little podcast is it's like nice and happy and funny most of the time but like it you know we only have uh, what three or four listeners every every episode uh and it's not like you know it's not like we're changing the world but at the very least you know we try to bring those people uh that are listening some degree of of rel of truth and relevance and uh, hopefully something that will help them uh try to write for themselves and something that'll uh, make them feel a little bit more at home and a little bit more uh 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 kind of 
calmed by the fact that they're not the only one out there kind of struggling uh, in the same way that we are. Like, it, at least that's what I hope that we're doing uh, with this podcast. I think that if uh, if we can, you know, it, it'd be nice to to speak that to more people. But at the same time, it, you know, we're not doing anything too terribly risky, but we're not doing anything, you know, evil to to just for the sake of popularity either. You know, we're 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 speaking our own ideas and and hopefully just being just being ourselves is like a good enough way to to, to enjoy being a writer and enjoy being what we're talking about. And I think that that's like I think bringing that kind of ethic into into writing is probably the core. Uh, kind of uh the the just the kind of hope that um that i that i hope that other people see in us right so when you're a content creator you're basically presenting yourself as an authority and if you're good at doing that people will believe you so when for example you write about writing or you write about a political topic or as me, I, I write an article about Big Pharma regularly. And what people think is they're receiving a the tip of the iceberg. What went into you, they can read that article in five minutes, but it took you an hour to write it or more. And you've been researching the topic for weeks, months, or years. So, what, yeah. so when you're a content creator, you are a filter, right? You take in shed loads of information and you filter it and you what people you act like you act like a sieve. What people want is the best of your knowledge on a topic because they can't know everything and you can't know everything. So they want you to summarize it and give you the most important points. So in that way you're acting as an authority. And I think you're saying use that authority responsibly. Oh, absolutely. I think I think that's the best way of phrasing it because that research that you do, I mean, that's that's what you're doing. You're trying to bring, uh, bring that hard legwork back to something that's easily digestible. Right. Right. And I think I think that's a, uh, yeah, I think that's a proud, uh, profession. And if you're if you're going that's up against support. big pharma, yeah, I I think that's a I mean, that's a, well, you're not exactly making an enemy out of them, but you're definitely, you know, if I'm successful, then I do. If yeah. I'm successful, then there'll be a Wikipedia page about me that's full of lies. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. Because that's what happens to people in alternative health. I mean, if you re if you look, you, they know that when people hear about someone, the first thing they do is look them up in Wikipedia. There was recently uh example i can't remember who it was it was some like just a normal scientist and he disagreed with some you know mainstream narrative and what happened uh, and got some journalistic coverage for it and then what happened was someone went into his wikipedia page and deleted all of the publications section from his wikipedia page and then oh. locked it so that 
if anyone looks him up on Wikipedia, they can't see that he's got a bunch of academic achievements. And this always happens oh with God. pharma. Like I personally have covered um, stories of pharmaceutical companies going to court and being sued for fudging the data in their trial. So they were found. They were they were, they were found guilty. If you go to Wikipedia page for these drugs, they mention it. If they mention the litigation, they give it one or two lines. But anyone in alternative health who's spoken rudely to a dog, for example, what yeah. they'll do is they'll find one bad thing about them in their life and make a whole section of their Wikipedia page and dedicate it to that. So there's definitely, um, you yeah, know, this is the kind of credited is is probably, you know, the most. I mean, well, one of the rudest, but like definitely one of the most powerful uh, weapons I think anyone has in their arsenal. Yeah. What? Uh, what is sorry? Being discredited. Yeah. Or discrediting I mean, your your opponent. Exactly, because it, it scares you, right? Because even me, when I'm writing about pharma stuff, I know. For example, let's just take a guy. Well, I'll give you an example. There's a guy who wrote Your Body's Many Cries for Water. He was known by his patients as Dr. Batman. And he even nice. ran, ran trials and things like that and showed that many conditions like ulcers and things like that could be reversed if people just drunk a lot more water in a regular time with a certain kind of salt and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and, but if you look at his Wikipedia page, they make him out to be some kind of quack, even though he did real studies and he and he cured real patients. Now, I know that he did a lot of good, but when I'm reading that and I think, do I want to cite this guy in my book? I think, well, if I cite this guy and if people go and look him up on Wikipedia and they make him look like a crank, then I'll look like a crank by extension because I'm quoting someone that looks like a crank. So it really does have a cooling effect. Oh my God. That's... When they blackball people. So that this is about journalistic integrity. Yeah, that's dangerous. Never, always, always follow up on Wikipedia, kids. Yeah, because Wikipedia is like, look, pharma buy out advertising on TV. And yeah. that way they that way they don't get bad coverage in the news. That's why if you go if you're in America, eighteen out of twenty two ads in the evening news are like pharma ads because they're buying favorable coverage, right? They That's very true. they they pay to get textbooks printed. They pay for medical conferences, which are mandatory for doctors to attend because they need to re receive continuing medical information. So, given that they buy out everyone and everything, uh, why wouldn't they buy out Wikipedia? It's like a no brainer. You yeah. know, it's obvious. So stuff like, I mean, mo I don't expect most people to go into your listening to go into like something like covering big pharma. But since we're we're talking about the extremes of journalistic integrity, it's yes. like, yeah. you know, it, it, it's just kind of so apt, you know. Um, I mean, the, the, it's you're not it, it's not like you're exaggerating either. It, it, these things uh, definitely happen, you know, it, these like large companies will do the bad things and then do everything literally everything within their power to keep themselves you know uh afloat or or yeah. just keep but, they, from... but it's, it's like there's money in this if you want to be a journalist i mean they will ghost write articles and get prominent journalists to put their name to it or they'll give them the content and get the journalist to rewrite it in their own voice 
they will ghost write. Right, see yeah. if you're an academic, it takes ages to put together a paper. So a pharma company can pay someone to ghost write a journal article in your field of expertise, come to you at your university and say, hey, we'll help you get a publication. You know, we'll do all the footnotes and stuff like that. All right. you need to do is put your name on this article, which you didn't even write as a co-author. It's in your, and, 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 and it's good for and that person's that career. Yeah. So th this is, I guess, when you're talking about journalistic integrity, these yeah. are some exa examples that I'm aware of, of a lack of that. And you're saying, we're saying like, what what are you saying? It's uh, supposing you had eighty seconds. What, what's your pitch for uh, for journalists? Like, what what do you see as a correct use of your voice? Because you said what you shouldn't do. Definitely, I a correct use of my voice. I think if I could, I I would. You know, I I would at the very least, uh, you know, talk about just examples of 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 when people get discredited when they shouldn't. I, I think I think at the very least what I would do would just kind of contextualize uh, the argument because I think too many people uh, listen to you know that that primary source that like that the ads and the sponsored contents and the things and they take that and they go home and they're fine because they don't realize the war that's going on kind of beneath beneath the surface. Right. Right. And then, like, if you can inform these people that, like, yes, there's a huge argument happening, then maybe they'll take everything with a grain of salt. Okay. To sum up all that, I, th I think the most important question you should be asking yourself is, when you're listening to someone, where does their credibility come from? You know, how do you know uh, that this is a credible source that you can listen to? It, it, I mean, I guess... For most asking, people, like, what is truth in a way, but yeah, so what were you going to say? For most people, I think it's this person represents what they themselves believe well, articulately, with good arguments and good evidence, but also expands their horizons and continually makes them go, oh, I understand the world better now that I've read that. And that's what it feels when you feel like someone is demystifying because you know trying to understand yeah but, but people don't always universe, want that. what yeah it, yeah it, people don't always want to be demystified sometimes people just want to hear something that you know just reaffirms what they already know yeah i, I but yeah but, but that's but, their fault more than more yeah, than yeah, exactly sources, yeah. but that is but what they perceive even, yeah right okay I know, personally, there's a bunch of journalists that I hate because I don't like their opinions, and I, <laughs> I, I, I think they're yeah. smart. I think they're smarmy, self-important, superior, arrogant, and that <laughs> they don't actually. And I don't believe that they're credible voices, but they're extremely popular, right? And yeah. obviously, the the people that listen to them feel like. They're yeah, the good like guys. I, I don't you know I don't like Joe Rogan, you know, okay. but he has but he has a reasonable amount of credibility. Like he Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm not a huge Joe Rogan fan and we've we've only touched upon him on the show, but I know you've got serious reservations about him. Which <laughs> reservations, to... reservations, but not not like, you know, 
Well, you know, I, 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 I like I like him, uh, even though I'm not a, I don't li- I'm not a regular listener. I listen to yeah. a few of his shows every now and then. And I think he has interesting guests on and people like him. Be- people like him because he presents himself as open minded and he's curious towards his guests and he helps the guests unpack themselves, whether he's the greatest interviewer ever or he's he's worthy of having the best show in the world. Uh, you know, that's another, that's, that's anyone's judgment, you know. But yeah. I'm what, not who, saying that he's the greatest interviewer ever, but. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> that, that guy, um, Leonard, who, who's the guy that did, oh, you, I, I'm kicking myself the way that you were in the other show when you were trying to um, remember yeah. who the guy remember is. The, the legendary interviewer that, um, oh. he's, you know who I'm talking about? Uh, I think I do. Um, and he like, he had everybody on, um, are you sure it's Leonard? Um, he was was like a news anchor. He was like a, Uh, is this this someone recent that you're thinking of? Really? Yeah. He, I think he might've died recently or if he did, if he does, um, if he's not dead, then he's getting on an age. I think his name began with L. Um, All right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to look this up here. Let's cut this out. Yeah, like I think why Larry King was so loved and such a popular interviewer. Oh, wow, Larry King, yeah, 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 because he was just so interested in what the guest had to say. Say he wanted to unwrap the guest, and he was in the moment, and he had an instinct for what to ask them to unwrap them and because he consistently delivered those results that gave his voice credibility that is so so consistently doing stuff well i think makes your voice credible sometimes i think like um predicting making correct predictions gives you credibility but it seems a lot of people predict stuff wrong especially when it comes to the economy again and again well, and if that still... were true then the simpsons would be the most credible source for anything around mm. i mean and, they... and again yeah. again like things that work in multiple levels gives you credibility because the simpsons was so good because you know it, it worked on so many levels uh, it, it, it had jokes that kids would understand. It had adult jokes that you were pleased to be in on. Um, well, that too, yeah. But and, I, and, and, like, and it uh... was both. It was both funny and witty. I love stuff yes. that's that's not. Some of the humor was puerile and slapstick and yeah. toilet humor, but some of the humor was really, really clever, and right. that gave that gave it credibility. That gave the the fact that it you know was right. not it was not just superficial it was deep right yes so you you can do yeah. well writing a lot of superficial stuff but if you're you want a credible voice it's usually because you go a little bit deeper does nuance work or does it go against you uh no i think nuance uh, sort of demonstrates how uh how how much you've refined your own skill in, in your uh kind of in your wheelhouse so, like, I was going to bring up Terry Gross, uh, because I think she uh, is a phenomenal interviewer, uh, along with Larry King, uh, who, you know, it, it just in the manner of the questions she asks and 
how she like how she interacts with her guests you know she may not be uh as curious um well it, she is quite curious but i think the thing that defines uh terry gross that makes her separate from people like you know joe rogan or larry king aside from the fact that she's a woman uh and therefore deserves our respect the the fact that she uh she is able to steer her conversation uh in such a way that gets to a point that she wants to express you know beyond simply simply just being curious i think terry gross uh has has a, a way of speaking to someone a way of interviewing them that prods deeper with and nuance is the key word here right. that uh, she can she can not only search uh, for something deeper but she can bring it out of somebody uh oh, that's good yeah without just without simply asking interesting questions that people are interested in um i think she's a great uh a great interviewer and a great uh show host um so well, as a as a as a writer like so i guess having a credible voice comes from consistently um providing something that your audience desires i mean there's very several variations on that what the audience desires but it comes back to doing that consistently it's not something that you do with one article it's when you become an authority because people are like you know ted delivers the goods basically whatever the the goods vary from audience to audience but sure um, and, and then i think you know over time if people follow you that means like you said you're going to stand behind a position right but yeah. people come on a journey with you and they see you change as a human over the course of months or years and that, that builds your that builds your credibility with them, but it also means it makes them feel like they know you. And if you change a position or your your position becomes more nuanced, that gives yeah. you credibility in the eyes of your audience. Because they, they like, you know, if 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 you put out stuff and people go and check your sources, and I know hardly anyone does that, but if people start and, and people start feeling like you're clumsy, then you know, you don't get credibility, but if yeah, if you're going like, to lose a lot of that. Yeah, and that, it's unfortunate that people the... don't check sources actually, yeah. because uh, yeah, I mean that is like asking someone to do an extra job. I know, uh, but but, but that the journalist. But I, I've had it like once I put an article out on oncology and how bad how there was bad science in oncology, and yeah. someone questioned one of my sources, and I said, "Well, okay, hold on, because this is only a portion of what I've written," and when I finished that chapter for my book I sent him the chapter to fact check it he went and he looked at the journal articles because I don't do that I'm like uh I, I simplify the simplifiers so I read a bunch of stuff that's oh, so you're like a, you'd be like a tertiary source you, you yeah I'm like I'm like no 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 I I, I had some secondary I it's add not my a bad thing. I'm not saying I, it's a bad I, thing. I, no no I, I'm an accumulator right so I read a bunch of people who are writing to a popular audience I draw the links between their work and I put it and I package it in a punchy style and I say, here's a broader picture. Because if you read any one of those people on their own, you yeah. won't you'll get you'll only get one camera angle on the set. Whereas what I do is I give a panoramic view. So they go back True. to and, the and you're not going to go read a medical journal on oncology. 
No, no, because that's not what I'm good at. That's not my expertise. No, 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 no. You're going to take the person who's already done that work and then kind of bring it into a conversation that you're framing with a different person. Correct. And, And so that person went to the journals and came back to me and said, uh, yeah, uh, I look. I, I looked to the articles that you cited, and I can't see any way you misrepresented what they're saying. So that gives my work more credibility because I went to a critic and I said, "Okay, if you want to be a critic, be a critic here. Here's what I've done." To be honest, I would have been happy if he'd come back to me and said, um, "You know, you've you've discounted all these studies which say that the the science of oncology is really good," because I mean. It looked pretty grim. My findings were really, really grim. Like, yeah. So, so I mean, like, I, I, I don't want to spread false information. So when someone comes to my blog and says this argument's wrong or that argument's wrong, I'm glad because that means when I put out the final version and a book and a bigger work, it'll be better because I've been challenged for it. So I think True. that I, I'd it, like remember, to pick... kids, the truth isn't always nice. Yeah. It's you have not. to be, you have and to be also, willing to accept it, despite. And, and also, you should be. You should be mature enough to change your opinion if you get better evidence. Yeah, that's a difficult thing to do uh, as well. I, I struggled with that for some time. Uh, mm-hmm. not... It's something that humans, for some reason, struggle with. Yeah, everybody's so, looking for that confirmation bias. So I, I guess one thing we should talk about is how, like, first, how journalism's yeah. changed so much because of the internet. Yeah, the uh, I mean that that's always a topic that uh, people are willing to change are, are are you know uh, looking to throw in on because it is it is something that's happened uh, irreversibly. You know, right. it's uh, it's it's you know beyond just changing the game, it's it's created an entirely different sphere for. Uh, how journalism works. You know, you can't uh, go back to the days of, uh, you know, Walter Cronkite when you trust this, you know, one, uh, this one trustworthy man talking to you uh, from a news desk seems like, oh, that guy seems all right. And then, you know, yeah. he he kind of earns your trust over that. Yeah. No, you have 9 million voices, you know, yeah. not just yeah. available to you, but shouting at you. Right. Uh, and, and and everyone wants eyeballs. And I, yeah. I suppose they did. I'm sure it was very cutthroat before because there's a limited number of people who can make a living in this sphere. Right. So yeah. if you if you had a journalistic job, if you had a column with some paper, you know, it's it's tempting to close up ranks and to gatekeep. And, it, and that still happens. You know, people don't. There, it does happen a lot. It's not easy to make money. But everyone, uh, in a sense, everyone's got a shot. Anyone can start a Substack or a Medium. Um, anyone can anyone, have a podcast. A- anyone could have a podcast, even <laughs> us. Anyone could have a blog in the past. Um, th- those have gone out of fashion. But um, yeah, people people are getting better at finding ways to monetize this stuff. Yeah. But but people are so used to free content that they don't want to pay for this stuff, and it's a limited well, I- number. I think Numbers. beyond that, I, I think what you, before we to get too far away from gatekeeping, uh, I think it, because the way that I uh, kind of got my job with MovieWeb um, doing like the, the clickbaity stuff uh, is that 
like I had to make a couple blog posts uh, so that just to like demonstrate that like, yes, I am able to write in full sentences and I do know where commas go. Um, But I think from there, you know, when I was recently on the job hunt, I think uh, when you take that and you go and you do your time in clickbait and then you kind of, then you have like a little bit of a resume to to step up to yeah. like, oh, yes. maybe I'm going to work for this uh, influencer or like I'm going to try to, uh, you know, do something that that isn't the Wall Street Journal, but like yeah. is still beneath that. And so when and you, see, yeah, you, find, you build your you build your you build a certain type of credibility that way and yeah. on your journey. Yeah, that's. I yeah. mean, I would say if you're if you're a writer and you want a shot, a really good thing to do is like, well, uh, let me lead into this. I got some really good advice over ten years ago, and I wish I'd taken it more and done it. Um, oh, love these! I, I, I phoned in into a, a call-in show from a with, with, with a YouTuber that I liked, and he was like, "Well, you know, if you want, if you want to do some writing, like, um, don't 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 start a blog because you know who who wants to read your blog." Find a website that publishes the kind of stuff that you're writing, and submit to them. And you can you can you can have a blog, but you can post all your 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 blog will mostly be links to other places that you've got stuff published. So if someone wants to follow you, they can come all to one place, and then they'll then they can follow you that way. It's like that's one of the way I, I built this YouTube channel. I am. Um, I wrote for this site and this site, and then people filtered in from there to my YouTube channel. Now, yeah. if if you want to be a writer, um, you hopefully want your stuff to reach people. I wish in those days, like I could have done this for that person, for example, because it was a big support. Uh, I, I really liked his show at the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I listened to a lot of his shows and he had a lot of ideas in there. What you could do is you could find like an influencer that's got a big audience but doesn't have um uh, a book or something like that you can take one of his videos and turn his key concepts into an article and send it to him and say you know would you like me to write you a booklet of your like core concepts based on the ones that you keep on repeating in your in your videos you know that is something that i wouldn't do now because i've got so much of my own stuff to do i have done it for one um you know a person that was now deceased but in the natural health industry where i learned a lot of someone i learned a lot of stuff from yeah. but um but you know no no i wouldn't just say one i mean i've done it a lot for one person i've sure. done it a couple of times i've done it a couple of times for other other people turned their videos or ideas into articles which are now online and ghostwritten them um that is that is a really good way to get seen because to see if they've got tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers then you've got the potential of reaching lots and lots of people but if yeah. you're just writing your own stuff, when you've not got a name for yourself, you have less impact. So there's opportunity if you create opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of being uh, a writer in, in this sphere of journalism that, that you know, happens entirely online is, uh, is about building credibility and is about, um, is, is about like working for other people that like may not have bigger voices, but like, you do that by you do that and you prove yourself yeah uh, you, i mean you show that you have uh not just uh, the capability but the desire to be ethical and the desire to be 
um, a credible voice in in a sea of people who might not be. Yeah, I mean, if I could go back to my 20s, I definitely would have done a lot of things different from a writer. I mean, uh, when I started listening to podcasts regularly, there was a couple of shows that just stood out to me as better as everything else. And I used to draw psychological insight from these shows. And I, one thing I would have done was just kept a, kept a little diary. And every time someone said something profound, I'd write that thing down in the diary with Ooh, a little of ex with a little explanation of what I found profound about it, and then I could turn that I, I could have the option anytime I wanted of turning that into an article or a YouTube video of my own or a podcast because when you find something profound, when you hear something profound, that sparks something off in you and 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 something profound, and this comes That's back to good. the credibility. Something, something profound, and this comes back to the credibility thing, is yeah. something that integrates into your experience, gives you an aha moment, because you go, that, wow, clarified, this is me. That, that clarified something that I already think I had an inclination of, but now I understand it properly, and that's why it's enlightened me. And when you get those moments, that if you explained what that person said, Ten yeah. people who got that insight would explain it ten different ways because you always integrate that into your own experience. So I think that's part of being a journalist with a credible voice, you know, uh, integrating what you've learned into your own experience and being able to add to the insights of others with your own wisdom. I think that's know? part of, yeah, def absolutely. I think that's a big part of being uh, communicable too. Uh, that's not a good word to use. People use that word for diseases. Uh, it's that's a good part. That's a good uh, skill. Uh, it's a good communication skill. Um, yeah. I, I think as well. Yeah. If you can make, if you can integrate it into your own experience and make it relatable, yeah, uh, I think so, I think that educates people better. So I think it's 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 maybe harder to make money, or, or harder yeah. to make enough enough money as a writer. I don't know. Those those people who are writing are generally probably making less money in real terms. Yeah. But there's opportunity, there's more opportunities if you care to make them. Um, one thing I would say is like there, there's still advantages you can derive. For example, writing this book on Big Pharma, I wrote to a guy at a clinic in Mexico where they're where they're treating cancer with alternative therapies that are illegal in the USA, even no. though they're no less even though they're no less effective than mainstream treatments because mainstream treatments aren't very effective. They, they might be more, yeah, they, they, they might be more effective. Um, but who knows, because it's illegal to do any studies because the government, uh, you know, won't let anyone, anyone do them. I feel so, like this is going to be a very interesting book. <laughs> right. So the, the, the great thing is when I told him I was writing this book, he said, yeah, come, come along to the clinic in Tijuana. He, um, Tijuana, Ooh, Tijuana doctor. He said, he said, Tijuana, Tijuana, come along to my clinic. Uh, <laughs> uh, <boo. laughs> and, he, and, and he put me up for four days, put me in the protocol, didn't charge me a penny, did an interview with me for YouTube, uh, wow. made, made friends with me, opened up his contact book and said, here's a couple of people in the natural health world that live in Scotland that you might want to network with. One of them is a buddy of mine now. 
So wow. you even even if you you're not getting any, you know, you're not I'm not getting a six figure salary and a five figure expense account that's use it or lose it like pharma reps. Yeah. Uh, but but I still got to meet interesting people. I still got some perks, you know, I still had to pay for my plane tickets, of course, but it was a life changing. Uh, uh, let's say it's a meaningful experience that we'll remember for life. It sounds like it. It's it, it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, he 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 let me speak to his patients and 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 uh, and they they got to know me and spoke to me and they they befriended me and they told me about their experience. That sounds like one hell of an experience. I think I think you know beyond that, like you learned so much, but but beyond the learning, it, 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 you you made a real human connection with with your sources and were able to kind of uh, yeah. And yeah. I thought if I'm going to write this book, it's not just going to be like here are the facts about big pharma. You want to you? I don't want to be an armchair journalist. I want to have seen it with my own eyes. If someone says this treatment can reverse cancer in some percentage of people, I want to go and speak to those people and and see if it. I don't want to. You know, people want an experience. It's not about journalism. Isn't just about the hard facts. Yeah. It's about it's about weaving a narrative that um, people can take into their minds and feel like they're experiencing something of the world that is interesting and true. Yes, and I think I think uh, you make a good point on this because with the way that journalism works today, editorial journalism is seen as uh, much more much more valuable to to a conversation than just the hard facts yeah. uh like you were saying and i, I believe humans you, you know yeah yeah because we are people and and you know we forget that sitting in front of a screen sometimes and i i would go so far as to agree with you i i don't have you know i i i don't have like a a, a doctorate in some kind of journalistic field but i i i feel and probably many people on the street would agree with me that like uh, something you can relate to will have uh, a more resounding effect with you. And it, unfortunately that, you know, even though the Jedi say that you should be able to control your feelings, uh, you, you, that feeling will uh, define your thought. And, and the person right. communicating that feeling should be responsible enough to give you the facts. If you want to be, yeah, I want to, we're going to do some shows where I'm going to take some of the devices that I've used in my articles. Now, this isn't about me going, whoa, I'm such an amazing writer. Look at the devices I use. It's more about me going, this is something that I have learned to do as a writer, which is, which make, which has made me a better writer. And And it's helped me as well. You've helped me by telling me these devices. All right. Yeah. So Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. My article that. on Miyazaki was very popular simply because I I used uh, the the opening storytelling trick that that you right. Yeah, yeah. I like doing that. So what, what I want to talk about those devices because this is something that did not come naturally to me as a writer, but I learned, and once I learned it, I did it more, and it made me a better writer. So I'd like to do some of that, but um, and it's interesting because I was a th- we've both done some. Did you do some theater criticism? Did you do any critic stuff? 
Um, I've done a little bit of criticism, but like not on theater, yeah. but it's just been on movies. <laughs> My, my my editor used to say i'm not a journalist i'm a critic like and be, and because of that yes. whenever anyone said anthony's a journalist i went no 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 i'm critic i'm a critic <laughs> yeah which i thought was quite cute it is um, a, it is a little bit of a distinction it is uh yeah i think it is a distinction i think yes. it is a distinction and as writers i think it's good for us to make those distinctions because people listening have a better idea of the topography and what might suit them yeah you know because uh, a, you know, a what, critic what, is all about yeah a critic is all about sussing out uh like the dynamics of opinion and and kind of turning uh opinion into something uh yeah. or you know kind of uh, sourcing making something opinionated into something objective and a journalist is about uh finding facts on a uh, conversation and presenting you kind yeah. of recording the facts based in in a conversation that you're already having yeah, a critic is giving you a judgment and hopefully a qualified opinion on something. And if it's a good, if they are a good critic, what they will do is they will make their readers more cultivate, more aware of what makes something good and and improve their taste. Really, I mean that's. Uh, but think and about also, that when you're going and, into writing. And yeah, I know, no, that that's serious. Yeah, now, now that you mention it, that's a serious responsibility because you were talking about the res ethical responsibility of a journalist. Yeah. The ethical responsibility of a critic is to give advice that will help people understand what makes art high quality, including artists. Yeah. So that, so, so that they can improve their output as well. Very so, much. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, you know I, that's a very important distinction we're, we're we're running out of time here did did you want to say something about daria yeah, <laughs> yeah okay so i i always wanted i always wanted to yeah i think we should always do some uh something lighthearted. yeah 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 some not something some art appreciation oh, and, oh uh, definitely I've been, yes i've, I've been re-watching daria and uh i watched i watched daria when it came out uh when i was 11 right oh, wow and I found Daria incredibly relatable, but I didn't know why. I was too young to know why I found her relatable because I knew I wasn't cool with the comebacks like her. She has Daria, okay. a monster wit. Yeah. yeah. Dar people who don't know, Daria is a spin-off show from Beavis and Butthead. It, wasn't, it was produced by the same producer, but not written by the same writer. And Daria is like a reject at school, her 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 sister's really popular but um he is, he's kind of the proto proto goth kid before yeah before yeah she's looking at the shallowness vapidness of society and going why are people buying into this bullshit now she's very witty so even though so and and also the thing here's an interesting thing here's another reason why i didn't didn't understand why it was relatable Everyone in school calls her a brain because she's so intelligent and yeah. she's top of their class. My academic performance was average at best. Now I realize that's a lot because um, I was the youngest in my class. So if I got held back and I didn't have the emotional stability or emotional maturity to never mind to to balance Are you all the pressures. Comparing yourself to Daria. Well, I, well, that's the thing. I feel like the reason why people <laughs> like, people liked Daria so well, what I mean is, I think my academic performance might have been above average, 
if I'd been held back a year and I'd been the oldest in the class, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But at least somewhere in the middle, right? Okay. But but I never realized that I was intelligent until I was an adult because I, I was going by the system's metrics, which is academic performance. Whereas, um, so... And you do, I, you do have, I, I'd say, just the effort you put into uh, kind of communicating uh, the facts and the effort you put into researching has made you... Uh, Anyone can be intelligent, yeah. and yeah. you do a fair job of it. So yeah. I think I think it's interesting. That's why people in general found Diary relatable because they could relate to her if they felt like they had a deeper insight into life than the people around them. But yeah, yet, but yet, rather than get credit for it or be appreciated for it, they were uh, somehow isolated for that. And that's why, even though I was too young at eleven. To understand why I like Daria now, as an adult watching it back, she she must have been a hero because she was because you know yes, dorks because, and, because when you're called a brain at school, yeah. it's an insult because right. you're smart, and that's why yeah. people who are smart use their smartness in writing to convince yeah. people of facts through right. journalism, and right. that's what today's episode has been about. Right, you can't, you can't, please don't, like, are you gonna kill the show? No. And after I killed the show. I think in the last episode, uh, you got cut off okay. before you wanted to say something about Daria. Right, Daria is so good, it deserves to be mentioned in two episodes, and that was- uh, It's true. Uh, but we want to keep our tight ship here and not run on for ages and ages. I don't like when I see podcasts go on forever. So we'll keep it to an hour. So one of the things I talked about why Daria was relatable. And I think you should go back and listen to the end of the last episode if you haven't yet. Um, Definitely. It was one hilarious. Of, one of the things that makes the writing so good is it's not just intelligent. So it's not just funny. It's witty. The humor is intelligent. And yeah. a lot a lot of the time you're laughing at the fact that some of the characters in the show are not intelligent enough to get the humor. I remember uh, in one episode, um, Daria says, uh, Daria's mom encourages her along to a, an event that her sister is going to. And Darius, and, and she says, oh, no, no, I'm planning on going. She's like, are you, darling? That's great. And she's like, yeah, I can, I can, um, I can see that um, there's great potential for for Quinn, her sister, to be humiliated at her event, and ah. her dad. And her dad, she means she's going to enjoy seeing her friend, sister humiliated. But her dad takes that to mean that she's going to look out for her sister and prevent this from happening. And constantly, yeah. you're put in the position of enjoying the fact that you're in on the joke. You're in on how other people are shallow and vacuous. But you're, and, and that's difficult to do. And I think the reason why it makes Daria, it, it makes you have a good time of being on the outside, much like Daria is. Yeah, and Daria was a hero for reject kids because maybe because oh, God, they yeah. were, because maybe they weren't smart with a comeback. Maybe they weren't confident enough to stand up for themselves. But she told the she told yeah it was like actor, it was like everything you thought of saying twenty minutes later yeah she, yeah she's she 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 was telling them who's boss on your behalf yeah and um the writing is so good 
I, I'm a, I, I can only conclude that people must be a lot must have been a lot smarter and more sp- switched on in 1997 than they are now for this yeah. to even get on TV. I mean, you know, one would say that you do see a lot of stuff uh, published. I think uh, that that you know that probably shouldn't be out there. Why doesn't anyone publish my screenplay? Right, yeah. my stuff's good. Right, because yeah. you're, you're because either the world's not ready for Ted Bajor slash Blue Snowball yet, <laughs> or or yeah, you need you need to go back to 1997 and get it published back then when people were sophisticated yeah. enough. To enjoy Daria. Yes. So Maybe it's I, easier I love, to build a time machine. I love the social commentary in Daria and it's it, it, and it's not explicitly political. It's more cultural. No. Commenting on shallowness, vacuousness, superficiality, depravity. Um all things and, that are very commonplace nowadays. Yeah, I know, but they're so commonplace as to the point that people don't want them to be satirized anymore. And yeah. another thing I love is they don't spell the joke out like they always do on TV today, especially American TV. They point to the joke and you get it yourself. Um, yeah, and, it's uh, a, a little wink and a nod is, is better than like, this is the joke. Yeah. yeah. And, and like I, I find a lot on American TV, if someone applies, implies something today, another character like you get the laugh for the people who are smart enough to get it, but then they explain why it's funny for the people who are thick enough that they don't get it. And I'm like, okay, thank you for patronizing me. I really appreciate you explaining the joke, which I just got myself. But unfortunately, that's where the culture has come to. So, well, yes, there's problems with everything. I like the well. Okay, uh, counterpoint, uh, BoJack Horseman. And um, what's her name? Diane. Mm-hmm. Diane was yeah. very much like a modern Daria, I think, uh, and in some ways more complex because they had the time and the uh, kind of wherewithal of of having seen Daria to kind of make her uh, uh, deeper and have like a longer storyline, um, as opposed to. Uh, as opposed to like what Daria was doing, which was uh, just basically trying to satisfy the after-school teenager uh, cartoon crowd. Um, you know, Bojack had like that whole Netflix several seasons of, of time to to deepen this and humanize this character, whereas Daria was very much just a, you know representational of, of that person who. Uh, was intelligent and on the outside but like so so I, I i think my point is is that it goes both ways you know that like a lot of times uh you see a lot of crap on tv that doesn't make any effort at all uh or you see something that has learned from the past and like can kind of take the next step because they were paying attention right yeah anyway oh okay speak soon Okay. All right. See you later. Sorry. Bye-bye. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to put it in those exact words. I mean, cut the show because I said like a fucking idiot. But yeah, oh. I mean, uh, do you want me to cut the show? Well, I, I mean, 